Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. Hi! Uh, today, Betsy, we are rounding out our final finale episode of Western Wednesday. Rounding them up like cowboys do? No, ah. that's not what we're doing at all. <laughs> it's the final one, Betsy, and... In true Never Seen It fashion, we played not quite a switcheroo, but, you know, this isn't really a Western. It's it's like the last movie where it's technically a Western yeah, in that it is set in the Old a, West. They're calling it a Western, but in the classical sense, it's not really. This one definitely is not. No. We're watching A Million Ways to Die in the West. See, it has the West in the title. It's, it's a Western. It's true. <laughs> it, this is the send-up of Westerns made by none other than Seth MacFarlane. Now, Betsy, we haven't actually covered a Seth MacFarlane thing yet no. on the show. And there have been f- precious few movies that he's actually done and made. He's whatever. only made a few. two. He made Ted and Ted 2. And yeah, this. and this. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> I guess. But we've seen Ted. I like Ted. It's okay. I haven't watched it, admittedly, since no. I think right after it came out for did Rent. Did we see Ted in the theater? We did. Yeah. We've been together a while, Trent. It's true. <laughs> we, uh, we, and we haven't seen Ted 2. No. No. Uh, but Betsy, Million Ways to Die in the West is a send-up of Westerns, as it were. Yeah. Um, he put himself in the movie. Of course, this he's is the, the first, star. This is the first time he's done this, where he's like the dude at the center of the entire thing. He's the star. Other than his more recent thing, his, his TV show, The Orville. Correct. Where he is, I think, the captain on that. It's a send-up of Star Trek. Something he is good at is sending up other people's products. <laughs> it's true. So, I mean, this movie kind of bombed. It didn't do very well at all at the box office. It kind of bombed, like, critically speaking. But, you know, not to say much about Family Guy and American Dad. We did watch those shows back in the day. Oh, sure. We both, I think we both watched... Family Guy in the first run before yeah. it got canceled the first time. And I also watched it a little bit afterward, uh, sure. after that because it came back because and of DVD sales. it's still on the air. Yeah. Isn't that insane that Family we're Guy, sitting here talking about it 25 yeah. years later? Family Guy started in 1999 because they're like one of their premiere episodes was uh their their first season episodes was about the millennium, the the Y2K bug. Yep. Yeah. Oh, how times have changed. Remember Y2K? <laughs> that was the thing that was going to destroy society. That now was the thing. Now it's Twitter. <laughs> uh, no. So, I mean, what what do you know about this movie? Neither of us have seen it, by the way. Yeah, neither of us have watched this movie. So, I expect this to have some middle ground between Ted, where it was just absurdist and very hard R-rated movie. Yeah, it, it's an ex- it was an excuse to put a cuddly teddy bear, a foul-mouthed, a teddy, foul-mouthed bear. teddy bear on screen for two hours. So I think it's going to fall somewhere between that humor and Family Guy. Like, it'll go farther than Family Guy, but maybe yeah. not as far as Ted. Yeah. I also think this is going to be about 20 minutes too long because we looked at the runtime, and once again, this is a comedy that clocks in over two hours. Yeah. 
which is never a good sign. Like, I don't know too many comedies that justify that kind of a runtime. If he had made it's this rare. into a tight 90, we maybe would have a different opinion. But this is being, We also don't have an we opinion We have no yet. opinion. I haven't seen it yet. I just assume, based on my experience watching every other comedy in recent memory that's mm-hmm. over two hours, that you could tighten it. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like a, a comedy like this... All they're doing is putting in all of their jokes and didn't want to cut anything. Right. So like, it's we 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 we've thought of these things. These we think are funny. And by God, they're going in. By the God, movie. we're gonna put them in there because they're never gonna make. Let me do a sequel. Well, and I don't think he directed this, but he did write it. Yeah, I, so I don't he, think he he got a lot stuff. of creative control. I'm sure he I'm produced sure. it too. The only person I know who is in this off the top of my head, I know there is a female actress, but I am drawing a blank because it's been eight years since this was in the theater. Okay. So maybe you remember who it is. I do know, however, Liam Neeson yes. is in this movie, and you've told this story before yes so the only reason he is in the movie is because on an episode of family guy they made fun of the fact that liam neeson isn't good at doing an american accent because he's way too scottish and he's not (laughs) and they had like the way they do cutaway gags in that show it was a western and he's there doing his scottish accent but he is or irish he's irish excuse me And he's doing his normal accent in a Western. And when they approached him about making this movie, he literally had heard that this was a thing. He knew this was a joke on Family Guy and said, I'll do it on the condition I get to do it in my voice. Because if anybody can appreciate being (laughs) in on the joke. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just look at Liam Neeson's uh, filmography over the past 10 years. He knows that this is just ridiculous. Well, what was it? Was it on... uh, one of those Ricky Gervais shows, he had a bit on yeah, that. Yeah. And he's doing improvisation, but he is making like terrible, horrible, sad references when yeah. it's supposed to be funny. But he's only, he's in there trying to say, hey, I want to be in comedies. Yes, but, but he's, he's, cold, he's totally deadpan. And it's like making a joke about AIDS and like, yeah. it's it's horrible, but it's still funny. Right. So if, if anybody guy, can get Seth MacFarlane's humor, it's Liam Neeson. Absolutely. He's going to play it completely straight and yeah. it's going to be funny for it. But other than him, I don't remember who's in this movie. I, know I don't two know people. the plot of this movie other yeah. than Seth MacFarlane and Seth MacFarlane nonsense. I know two people, and I don't know what they're doing, why they're in there. It's Neil Patrick Harris. Oh God, he that's is in right. this. Is and he the villain? <laughs> sure. He. I think he has like one of those really twirly mustachioed yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he has one of those twirly mustaches. And Charlize Theron. That's it. I was yeah. thinking in the back of my head that it was her but i was like that can't be right yeah no that's right why is she here we'll find out i guess I we'll find out i mean again it's gonna be a send-up of westerns we haven't seen enough of the genre to really get maybe all of the jokes here but we know enough but i also that think the cliches anyway i think that seth MacFarlane is a fan of these properties which is why he's so effective doing it on things like family guy yeah and the entirety of the show the orville like he sure. knows the origins and he is a fan so he's gonna treat it with love like it's gonna be his version of a mel brooks western but okay. it's seth MacFarlane. i get it I, i'm just kind of curious how they're going to uh 
put his style of like cutaway humor and you know references into a live action thing because I've only ever seen the the Ted movie and Family Guy and a little bit of American Dad, but it's the same shit. My guess is they aren't, and that's what's going to be jarring because yeah. you're not used to seeing this kind yeah. of a movie. I think Seth so this is all just guessing. Yeah, and Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> I think he's the character who is just going to be like pointing at this thing and saying. What the fuck is going on over there? What the fuck is going on over here? Why aren't you guys, like, freaking out about this? This is fucked up. He doesn't belong there. He's that yes. guy. He's, He's the everyman. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so let's go and watch A Million Ways to Die in the West. The title's way too long. We will be right back. Million Ways to Die, Betsy. They said the name of the movie in this movie. They did. What'd you think of this one? I think that this is better than I was expecting it to be. I don't think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is one of those, uh, before I said this was over two hours, I was apparently thinking of something else. But this is clocking in just under two hours. So it's like an hour 56. Still. So I stand by my introductory statement that... They dragged some things out, and this easily could have shaved off a good 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, if this had been a tight 90, or the script had gone through maybe one more revision, yeah. just one more overhaul before we set it to film, this yeah. would have been, I think, really good. As it stands, as it is, it was just okay. It was fine. Uh, I would say this is a better Western than... Hateful Eight was. <laughs> this is certainly more Western. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he is very much evoking the Western archetypes. And, you know, I I did enjoy I laughed a lot. But really what this movie is, is a vehicle for Seth MacFarlane laughing at his own jokes. Oh, yes, absolutely. He is... A man displaced in this world. It is yeah. just Seth MacFarlane. He is not playing any kind of character in any capacity. It's just this right. dude who sounds and talks and moves a yeah. lot like it, Seth MacFarlane. Right. It start the movie starts off like it's like he's a time traveler that got caught in yes. this in this time frame and he's from the present, whatever present that is, our, our current day. And he's just been there. He's been in this time for a while. And he's, you know, he's resigned to the fact that he has to be a sheep farmer because he can't do anything else. Genuinely, I was thinking about Palm Springs, where when we're introduced to the character in that movie, he's been in the time loop for a yeah. while. And so you're like, what is weird about this guy? Mm -hmm. And then they explain it. I kind of wished they did that in this movie because if he had just been completely displaced where he had just been here for a while. That's what it seems like. I think it would have stuck the landing a little more. But where it goes astray is everybody talks like this. So everybody's mm, dropping F-bombs. Not everybody okay, does. The main more, characters do. More than D. 
don't do it. Yeah. And yeah, everybody's like saying fuck every 12 seconds. And yeah. they're just speaking in a way that contextually makes no sense. Now, again, if everybody was doing it and mm-hmm. it was consistent, yeah. maybe it would have been better. But there were yeah. some people that were definitely in a Western All and some ba- people yeah. that were not. The background characters, Liam Neeson, everybody was supposed to be in this world but all the main named actors that you know they're not especially Charlie Theron because she's the same as Seth MacFarlane's character it's she's just a woman she's got the same attitude the same kind of foul mouth mm-hmm. like looking at the same things and like pointing it out I said it in the intro they're shit talking the same exactly. stuff exactly and bonding. they even, they literally talk about it like bonding over hating the same things yes you can you can actually be closer to somebody because you hate the same things right. more than when you love the same things right and they both kind of disassociate themselves from the world that they live in yeah even this place sucks in, and they you, keep saying it you in in 18 whatever you cannot do that you you are not this all powerful all knowing being that knows more than everybody else. You just aren't. And I, there were elements of it that were funny, like talking about photography. Like at the beginning, he yeah. gets dumped and he's looking through photos of him and his girlfriend and they're all <laughs> looking very stoic and the way one looks yeah. in photographs in those days because right. you had to hold still for 30 seconds and they talk about you know I heard a guy smiled in a picture once <laughs> and no one believes it yeah he's you would look insane can you believe that and this guy's not insane can you believe it so that's like a funny running joke because they're playing yeah. up these are things that were around like that's a real thing in the old yeah. west people were happy and smiled and they had jovial personalities but they were required to hold very very still for photography so there were elements of the movie like that. It's like, okay, you're playing with the theme. Mm-hmm. You're making fun of where you are. I get it. But then other times he just went so far that it's like, what are what are we watching here? I just, yeah, I, I wanted him to pick a, a lane and stay there. I either wanted him to go all the way and he's just, he's he's the uh, the audience member. He is just the observer uh, just pointing everything out to the audience, to his friends, and maybe his friends don't get it, or maybe they do. Maybe it's a it's a buddy thing where, yeah, they're just kind of pointing everything out to, to the audience, and they, they just don't do it. Like, they go full bore when he gets dumped and they go to the bar, and he literally gets up and does a Family Guy reference. He goes out of the bar and points out the dead mayor, that's literally like like a cutting to uh, a clip in Family Guy. It's like, yeah. hey, remember this thing that happened? This is just weird. Let what me is just going demonstrate on here? to you how weird this is yeah. by pointing at something that happens yeah, to be it's there. It's like stopping the show, stopping the movie, and I need to point this out to you because I think it's funny. And again, it was funny sometimes. But then there yeah. were other times where it's like this was made in 2014 and some of the jokes were already dated in 2014. Like he had some lazy humor for parts of this movie. It's also Seth MacFarlane, and he kind of falls on that a lot. He has the ability to do a lot of smart humor, but more often than not, he falls back into the childish stuff and the troublesome things. Which is really frustrating because when he hits his groove it's hilarious. Like when he plays his strengths and he doesn't take the easy joke, 
He's really a funny guy. But you can still do the easy joke if you do it in the right way. Right. <laughs> and the, the thing that we were kind of talking about while we were watching it is some of these scenes just kept on going. They kept milking it and milking it. Yeah. And it didn't need, or some of the scenes, they didn't even need to be there at all. Yeah, I can think of at least a half a dozen scenes right off the top of my head that just didn't need to be there. Or went on way too long. Like, there's a yeah. bar fight where we just have a ton of excessive violence yeah. just because... We want to be really bloody and yeah. insane to demonstrate, oh, the West is a crazy place. Right. And, you know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris gets drugged and he's shitting his pants. But instead of doing that, he shits in a guy's hat. And then he shits in another guy's hat. Yeah. And it goes on for so long. Or, like, when he's drunk and he's just making, like, poop jokes. Like, uh, and when he's drunk, he goes over to Amanda Seyfried's house. And when he's walking and uh, walking or stumbling away... He's like yelling at the house saying, you're just a fucking jerk. And he stumbles and that whole thing, him going there didn't need to happen. But the extended cut of him walking to his horse again also didn't need to be there. It's just an excuse to have, you know, a little bit of slapstick in there. Yeah. And again, and there's a lot of that slapstick. Some in, in there. of it is good. And some of it is just like, that was, that was just stupid. Right. And I, like I said, this movie is an excuse for Seth MacFarlane to laugh at his own jokes. And he thinks that he's very funny. He just does. He does. And that it's the, the problem with being, I don't know a whole lot about Seth MacFarlane. Let me preface this. I don't know if he is known as a guy who has an ego. Betsy, the man has had like four different shows given to him on Fox. And he's been given the green light to make three of his own different movies. Yeah. And but the man himself, I he, don't know. He likens himself to be the next Frank Sinatra in a way. Because he puts out real music albums of himself singing. He does. But he's also, he's weirdly talented in that That's venue. That's the thing. That's the thing. If he wasn't so damn talented and if people didn't actually laugh at any of this stuff, he wouldn't have that about himself. Right. So let, let's talk a little bit because we, we touched on it at the beginning and I wasn't sure, but he did direct this movie. He did, yeah. So he did write it. He did produce it. And he directed it, mm -hmm. and he stars in it. Yeah. He pointed out in the credits he had four assistants. Well, he was a busy man. Yeah, he was doing a lot of things. He had right. a lot of a lot of uh, boxes to get checked while he was making this. Sure. And he's not terrible in this movie. Like when he's just playing it straight. I actually, uh. there were moments where I was like, okay. I don't despise you in this movie. No. I believe you as this character. He is a bad actor. He's a bad actor. But when he, he also, this is again, one of the strengths, the hidden secrets about Family Guy, same way there's like hidden secrets about the Simpsons. They're really good at finding a way to, you know, pluck at your heartstrings once in a while. Sure. And c get to the emotional core. Mm -hmm. And so Seth MacFarlane can do that. And there are moments in this movie when he opens up just enough mm -hmm. that I'm like, aww. Like, just a little. But yeah. then he goes back to being, like, the dude <laughs> eating pot cookies for no reason for whatsoever. No reason. What was that scene? Why did that need to be there at all? I don't know. Like, they needed a reason to bond. I was just going to say, yeah, it's just another bonding scene for them. But you had enough of those. They did. And, again, like I was saying, he's 
when he's not playing Seth MacFarlane, when he just kind of forgets he's Seth MacFarlane he for into two the seconds, yeah. he was not terrible. And oddly, I kind of liked him and Charlize together. Yeah, they, I thought they, they had, had pretty good chemistry. They had pretty good chemistry, which again, you wouldn't think would work. Yeah. But she's another one that is a really gifted actress and can get in on the joke and she can get in on the humor. Yes. And when they're both being just kind of cynical, stupid people, it worked. Yeah. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. That couple should not make any (laughs) sense whatsoever. This is like one of those, I'm the funny guy and I want the hottest woman to play opposite me. Yeah. That's what this is. And that's usually the trope. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I'm going to file this one under it works. <laughs> he also cast Amanda Seyfried to be his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. I love that they called out her big eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Quit staring at me with those giant eyes. <laughs> but let's just get to the meat and potatoes here. The real MVP of this movie, Trent, is the fucking composer. The music is spot on from front to back. Even the original songs were catchy and, and like, I don't know, they were really good. We should have assumed in the introduction yeah. that there were going to be original yeah, songs written we, by Seth MacFarlane. We neglected to say, uh, yeah, there's probably going to be a song in here. It's there Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, there's a couple. He has two original songs. Yeah. One about a mustache and having a mustache. You need to have a mustache. And then the other one is co- the title sequence song. Yeah. It's A Million Ways to Die in the West, sung by Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson, who... For those of you who grew up in this part of the country, in the Midwest, and you had parents or friends, or if you like this yourself. If you listened to country music at all in the 90s. Which we did, a lot of. A lot of. Alan Jackson was one of the biggest country stars of all time. And dude definitely sounds his age. Yeah, he, he does sounds not, older now. He does not sound like the Alan Jackson You had to look that up. You were like, who is this? I had to Shazam the, the song before we actually got into the, the end of the credits. And sure enough, that was him. But yeah, the two original songs were funny because that is his lane. Yes. Seth MacFarlane can write a catchy fucking song. Those were great. But again, the composer, I'm going to give you his name yes. because it warrants... It warrants recognition. Yeah. Joel McNeely. And oddly, I looked him up. He did the music for Air Force One. So he's actually been on here before. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, it's just that like upbeat, like let's build a barn. It fucking farm. fits so well. It is up, like you said, it is upbeat. It, is, it fits every single scene. And there's a lot of different it's songs Americana, here. It's Americana, like think the barn dance in Oklahoma. Do 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 that shit. Yeah. And it's great from beginning to end. Just if I will give anything undiluted praise. Best part of the movie. I said it while we were watching it. Best part of the movie is the music. Absolutely. So I just wanted to make sure that we gave that guy recognition because if you're going to watch this movie for anything, uh, you know, you could just skip the movie and get the soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But Betsy, this movie is not just a vehicle for Seth MacFarlane for his own purposes. It is a cameo fest. Oh my God. Because 
not only did he put, I mean, his friends in the movie, like we got Alex Borstein as what do you call her? The madam of yeah, the whorehouse? The brothel keeper. <laughs> sure. Uh she shows up for like one scene. Just one. Yeah. That was the only part of the movie she was in. Yep. Sarah Silverman is one of the oh, let's just say employees. She is a whore. She works at the whorehouse. Yes. But she has a boyfriend. And she won't sleep with him because they're Christians. Betsy, who's the boyfriend? Oh, that would be Giovanni Ribisi. And as we have said many times... Giovanni Ribisi is still a threat. He is. And I had forgotten up until he started doing it that he's also in Ted. Because there was a shot of him in this movie... Dancing. With his little drink. And he's doing this weird dance. I was like, I've seen him do this before. And I had to... Go through the files, and yeah, he did the exact same dance in Ted. There's a lot. I I was kind of looking up the trivia stuff uh, about this movie before we sat down here, and yeah, that's one of the things he did that dance in Ted. Yes, and there's he did. there's a bunch of those like different references in this movie that if you blink, you miss it. Right. But yeah, and going back to the cameo, so those are more like main characters that yeah. are on the screen a lot. And, and Sarah Silverman is she's doing her sex joke stuff. Oh yeah. Like, she's, she's the person who's gonna talk about her asshole the entire time she's on screen. Like completely deadpan and yeah. giggle or giggling a little bit. Like yeah. in this weird it's just her shtick. Like yes. it's so funny to me that she is both this person and she is Vanellope von Schweetz uh-huh. in Wreck It Ralph in a Pixar movie in a Pixar in a Disney movie. That's a Disney one, I think. That she can play both of those kinds of characters. And well, of course she can, but it's it's a matter of whether or not the, you know Disney knows that. <laughs> It's the Bob Saget thing, like yeah. putting putting the squeaky clean dad character as yeah. you know, it's it's a man who is not known for being squeaky clean. But that's the thing. Seth MacFarlane is gonna get the people who are willing to do this. Apparently the there was a, a role offered to Reese Witherspoon of all people what? to be in this movie, and she turned it down and like decried the script or whatever. Like, you need to be better at offering the right people your scripts because... This is true. You're, you're just not going to get people like I've that. I've seen the comedies that Reese Witherspoon has done. Yeah. This is not it, for her. This is not for her. If I If she did it... I would have applauded her for it. Absolutely. Because I think she's one of those that should step out of her comfort zone more often. Like, yeah. some of her rom-coms, they are not good. <laughs> and Betsy would know. Because you've made too many of them. And after a while, it starts getting very stale. And Betsy, the checks keep clearing. So. I know, but why don't you just make a fucking, like, raunchy Western movie with Seth MacFarlane? That could be fun. You know? She's not in it for the fun. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Anyway, we're not talking about <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Uh, but yeah, let's let's keep going with the with the... The, the people here. Uh, we already mentioned Liam Neeson. He shows up very little in this movie. He's at the beginning and the end. Yeah. That's it. That's it. He's like in f- four main scenes. Yeah. I kind of, that's one of my problems with the overall like script is he is not really a threat for the majority no, that's Giovanna of the movie. Ribisi. Well, we knew that, but go listen to our avatar, our avatar <laughs> episode and you'll get that joke. Anyway, uh, if we ever make merch, that's going on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he shows up at the beginning. They He's sort of dastardly. He's, yeah, he's not even he's menacing not even at all. He's not like that bad a guy. Like he shoots a dude and 
then he rides off looking for gold question mark uh, and like it was left a little open-ended where he was going off to and let me just say this before we move on i guess pl- part of the plot is that Charlize theron and her brother quote unquote i think that's just a front i don't think the that's guy who's a, the guy who's cheddar bob in eight mile yep. that's the only thing i can come up with <laughs> he's also in jarhan and a bunch of other stuff but i always know him know him as cheddar bob anyway the whole thing about them moving to town and like living in in the hotel was never explained. No, they split up and the bad guy on the horse goes this way and she goes that way and now they are separated. Uh, what are you doing for there? Reasons. Are, are you just scoping out the place? Are you casing the joint? We don't know. We don't it's know. Unexplained. It's not explained. No, they just needed a reason for her to be there to meet Seth MacFarlane's character. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, there's just these massive plot holes in that there is no plot. There really isn't a plot. Yeah, it's, and I could forgive it if it was all character. Yeah. But it's like they started to introduce a plot and then like pulled back. And then they're like, oh, well, we're going to have this other guy who is named Foy. And it's Neil Patrick Harris as a mustachioed gentleman. Yeah. And he like challenges him to a showdown like they're gonna have a gunfight but then when they get to the gunfight he's like we don't need to fight so what was all that about and then we Mm -hmm. don't see neil patrick harris for the rest of the movie yep it just didn't go anywhere like they didn't build and then yeah this this whole thing it's, it's a it's a vessel for jokes it's not a vessel for plot no and and for like montages there's like three montages and a couple of them is just him learning how to shoot. Yeah. That's it. Or tripping balls. Yeah. He trips balls a lot. Too. A couple of times. <laughs> and that's an issue that I think is the core problem with this movie is there's just no plot. And it, like I said, it would be okay. And that's forgivable. If it was funny, if it worked. <laughs> if you, you just had wall to wall jokes, you just went from one thing to the next, but it just kept on going and I, I remarked on it while we were watching it. It's like, oh, so this movie is just keep going, huh? Yep. And that that was very much apparent after the escape on horseback, the, the, the horse race to the train, and he gets on the train. And it should be ending now. It should be wrapping this up. This should be the climax of the film. Yes. Like it's a chase. It and is he's a gonna... completely anticlimactic nope. ending. Nope. It's not there. Then we have another scene where he meets up with the, the Native Americans. He gets knocked out to by the Native Americans, and they copped out by having him be the fucking nerd who learns the Apache language. And that was real Apache language being spoken there. Okay. Except for the Mila Kunis joke. Yeah, he makes the Mila Kunis joke. Uh-huh. He's done that a few times. Uh-huh. And it's just sort of all over the place. And then in the meantime, somewhere along there, uh, you know... Christopher Lloyd shows up right. as Doc Brown from Back to the Future Part 3 with the DeLorean. And that joke appears just because he can do it. The studio gave him a bunch of money. You throw it at Christopher Lloyd and see if he shows up. And they have the music cue from Back yeah. to the Future. Sure. Like, I loved it. But then when I'm sitting in the moment, I loved it because I loved seeing of him. Of course. But then I'm, I'm thinking about it going, um. That doesn't need to be here. And it's very... It doesn't fit. It detracts from the rest of the movie. Which is kind of... I'm calling back to what I said in the intro. They knew that they weren't going to be able to make another one of these movies. So you know what? Let's just throw everything at the wall. Let's see if we can get them. 
Ryan Reynolds shows up for half a second, has no lines, gets shot, and dies. Ewan McGregor Ewan McGregor is in this movie. And I'd be willing to bet a lot of people missed him completely. Uh-huh. Because he's got a mustache and dark hair and a hat, yeah. and he's just sort of in the crowd, but he's like... One yeah. line. He just happened to be shooting a movie in the area at the time. Is that they what it was? They asked him to show up. He did. And then he left. Oh, my God. Didn't stick around long enough to have a re reunion with Liam Neeson from episode one. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was, again, all of these cameos just were just distracting away. Um, Mr. Belding shows up. From Saved and by the Bell. For you, no, he's fucking, not a cameo for so you, much. For but. you, oh, come on, come on. It's totally, for, totally. For, for people like us, it's a big for deal. For the millennials in the audience, you know who Mr. Belding is. I don't know the actor's name and neither do you. Uh, but he's the guy showing up. Uh, shilling uh, snake Shilling juice. his wares at the, at the carnival, at the fair thing. I, and, and of course, he, he dies unceremoniously by being gored he, by a bull. Yeah, a, a rogue bull. Just gars him at the fair because people, people die, die at the, the fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that's a good running joke. And of course, at the very, very end, we get Jamie Foxx having his little cameo as well. He's basically Django. He's doing his Django thing because Django came out a couple of years before this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah so he's got the scene right before the end of the movie and then the post credit scene. And the post credit scene, where are the white women at? <laughs> yeah. And it, it doesn't need to be there. It's funny. That's funny. I like that. But it's just like, go farther. If you want this to be a cameo movie, go farther. Like, make it a fucking Muppet movie where every time you turn around, there's another celebrity there. Right. Do it until you want to smack somebody. Or another death scene. Oh, Bill Maher is in this too. Yeah. I forgot that one. Yeah. He shows the, up for 10 he's seconds. He's the MC at the barn dance. And he's doing... He's a, doing a, Bill Maher. He's doing his weird, like, oh. Bill Maher is a guy I used to respect, and I've lost a lot of respect for that man over the years. Uh, he just needs to go away now. This was eight years ago. I know. But even still, he, he and Seth MacFarlane are tight because MacFarlane is always on his show. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, they're they're tight. So, anyway, I don't want to talk about But Bill again, Maher. that's what I'm saying. If it had been... Over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, so many celebrities. Yeah. Oh, there's one more. There's a scene... Oh, there's two more. Excuse me. There's a scene where, as we referenced, he goes and meets up with the Native Americans, and they give him some kind of magic juice yeah. that makes him trip and see visions. Uh -huh. And while he's having his visions, he's basically seeing his entire life flash before his eyes. And he hears the voice of God. He, he doesn't... Well, he does hear the voice of... Something. It's I'm like just, a talking sheep, I'm, maybe? <laughs> I'm just going to call the voice of God because it's a tr drug trip and that's what you do. But it's Patrick Stewart. Yep. And he also remembers his graduation from school <laughs> where the guest speaker was, quote unquote, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. And it's Gilbert Gottfried. R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried. Screaming this... about how he's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and he's so rich. And he's very rich. Betsy, this was probably my biggest laugh of the movie. 
Because it's just absurd. Like, he yeah. understands the assignment. Yes. He's like, I'm going to show up as, quote, Abraham Lincoln and scream <laughs> at this class. Uh, yep. And even Seth MacFarlane says, I don't think that's the real Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and it's great. It's perfect. That's what I wanted this movie to be. Yes. Like, just relentless. Go all out with that shit. But they didn't. They pulled no. back. You had too many people who were I- actually in the Old West. They had too many people who were in the West and playing it serious. Yeah. And we want this to be like an actual comedy, but in the West. He should have taken pages. And then other pages. people. He should have taken a page from Mel Brooks in Blazing Saddles. Everybody in that movie knew what their assignment was. All of the, the, the extra characters, all the minor characters, they knew what their job was right and they did stupid crap all throughout the movie yes because they said it doesn't have to make sense and we're committing to that yes like you know candy graham for mongo yeah what is that doing it's in here silly it's at the, supposed the end to be of the silly. movie the french mistake we have a big musical on the back lot of mgm or some crap yeah you just keep on going keep up pu- keep pushing that envelope because again you're not going to get to make another one of these no and it shouldn't work but that is the stuff everybody loves about blazing saddles yeah versus this one where it's like, what did you love about this? He, eh. <laughs> he kind of tried to make a Western. By the end of the movie, he tried to make a Western. Yeah. With a very anticlimactic ending of him like shooting the bad guy and having the bad guy die of poisoning. And he's like giving him a big speech of how he did it, but he's already dead. Yeah. So we cut him short. And you know what? That that joke right there is like a Taika Waititi joke. Where yeah. it's it's oh, too Doug's it, dead. <laughs> yeah, it's too smart for its own good. Uh, yeah. Oh, Meek's dead. I, I stepped on him, <laughs> but I felt bad, so I've been carrying him around all day. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff. And he tries it, but it doesn't go far enough. I, yeah, yeah. I think it's that's a mess. The, it's a mess. That is my my core problem with this is he didn't know what kind of movie he wanted to make, and if they had shaved off about twenty minutes and they had maybe revised the script one last time. Yeah. Tighten it up, get rid of some of the excess scenes, uh, and maybe milk some of your better scenes a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, they hopped around a lot. They did. For no reason. You you also had, like, three gunfights. And you didn't really have a villain. Like, is Liam Neeson the villain? Because he's only in the beginning and the end. Right. Is Neil Patrick Harris the villain? Because he's only in the middle. Yep. Like, make one of them the the antagonist throughout the piece. Mm-hmm. Like, this wasn't like when we started this journey with the man who shot Liberty Valance. Liberty Valance is a presence who is known, and even when he's not on screen, everybody's talking about him. Yes. People barely mention Liam Neeson in this movie. Mm-hmm. They barely mention that character. He's supposed to be the biggest menace and the best gunfighter in this region, and nobody's talking about him. And at the very he's end, he's not a presence. They, they kind of like brush off. Oh, I guess there's there's maybe a reward for you know him dead or alive because it's the old west and there are rewards for people like that. And he collects the reward and buys a bunch more sheep. And, he buys and he's a, bunch a terrible more sheep. sheep farmer. Yep. Cool. I, sure. You couldn't have taken that joke elsewhere. You couldn't have had him buy something else. Yeah. You know. He gets the girl. Wee. Yeah. 
Oh, Betsy, what, what else What else do you got? Any any other moments here we want to talk about before we get out of here? Well, I would be remiss to not mention one little moment that happens uh, that, that I will just say to represent our, our super fan. Uh, there's a moment where we are getting to know Anna, Charlize Theron's character. Yeah. And she says, oh, well, we came out from Kansas City. And Albert, Seth MacFarlane's character, says... Oh, Kansas. I love Kansas. And she says, no, actually, it's in Missouri because our super fan has many times explained to me she is from Kansas City, but the Missouri side, not the Kansas side. That's right. This is a very much this is very much a sticking point (laughs) when you are from that city. It matters which side you are from. (laughs) And yes. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, I I had a couple more. the joke about at the beginning he's drinking and they say it, it's a very uh they just tossed off line where they say you shouldn't drink and horse <laughs> yeah as in a horse as in a verb <laughs> and meanwhile in that scene there's an ad painted on the side of a building for yeah, yeah. something containing cocaine for something cocaine yeah <laughs> yeah well and also with like the 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 elixirs thing it's like <laughs> There's pieces of shirt in here. Flannel. Red flannel. Red flannel. <laughs> Just little pieces. Pieces of shirt. Yeah, in his miracle elixir. <laughs> uh, the other moment that I... This one I found really funny. Because again, there were these moments where he went to the place where he's making fun of the Old West. And it worked. So they're at the fair. And Charlize challenges Neil Patrick Harris's character. Mm-hmm. She says... If I can shoot all of these things in this carnival game on his behalf, you have to give him a dollar. And everybody's like, a whole dollar? I've never seen a dollar before. Show us the dollar! (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, she does it. Uh She wins. And Neil Patrick Harris produces this just enormous dollar bill. And the crowd goes absolutely... They're in awe and they take their hats off. <laughs> oh, just take your hat off, son. It's a dollar. <laughs> so that's yeah. funny because contextually, yeah. that was a lot of money. Especially for a bet like that. But there weren't enough of those jokes in this movie. And I wish there had been. <laughs> yeah, like get my whole, this whole my whole attitude about this is I wish I wish this was something else. I uh-huh. wish this was more. I wish this was less. <laughs> yeah, and you know we talked about you know a lot of the the Family Guy types of jokes where at the beginning when they're kind of walking down the street after um, they were broken up and they had their he went out drinking. It's the next morning. They have the joke about the big ice block comes to town because, Oh, that's a big thing because it only comes every so often. The shipment is here. Right. And you know, what's going to happen. There's going to be some kind of accident yeah. and there's going to be some huge reaction from, from the people. And of course, yes, that's what happens. And the ice block falls on somebody and crushes them to death. And they make jokes about it later about, oh, yeah, we're going to be using that in whatever food we're that comes later. We're still going to use that ice. We're still going to use that ice? What? And it's it's him just reacting to things that nobody else is reacting to. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's not from the Old West while everybody else is. But then as the movie rolls along, he becomes more of the West. That's why I think if you went further 
in his backstory and had him be that fish out of water where he is from the present or whatever. Or even if he had just been some like uppity city boy. Right. If he some came city from slicker the east. Right. Who came came to do this and he's yeah, a terrible they, sheep farmer. If they farmer. did it like Liberty Valance where yeah. he's from out of town. Yeah. But again, they should have gone further and did more. Underdeveloped uh, characters. It could have been really, really good, Betsy. I there's there's a good backbone here. Yes, like it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Like really, mm-hmm. truly, I see the glimmers of what could have been brilliant. Yeah, but it ain't there. But it's not there. Yeah, which is why this has like thirty seven percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and I said it in the intro. Apparently, this movie did not bomb. It made like double what its budget was. Well, that's, so yeah, that's it made money. He has enough fans. Yeah. And the trailer was edited well enough to give you the uh-huh. the jokes and to ex- what you were going in for. Yeah. People showed up. We yeah. didn't. We waited eight nope. years. <laughs> nope. All right. Um. So that's all I got to say about this one, Betsy. Let's read an email, shall we? Sure, Trent. And hey, look at that. It's an email from our super fan, Stephanie. Amazing. About our last Western movie, The Hateful Eight. Uh, She says, I love this one. I'm a big Tarantino fan, and this is such a good one. I have seen the extended version, and although it breaks up into sections, making it easier to watch over multiple days, I don't think it really adds to the story. So we talked about it a little bit. There is quote-unquote an extended version of that movie on netflix it's like a tv show format. and it's broken up into pieces yep it's like it's it's a mini series type of thing like it's maybe adding a little bit of context to some things maybe adding another story here and there but it's not enough to make it a different thing Mm -mm. so uh she says channing tatum in this really takes me out of it he isn't bad but his presence is very jarring other than that, the cast is phenomenal. Love, love, Tim Roth. He's one of those really great actors that is underutilized. I wish people have, over the years, used him in more things. Yeah, because you can rely on Tarantino, but that yeah. doesn't give you a whole career. <laughs> he had his own Fox show for a while. That's right, he did. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I don't think anybody watched it, though. That's no, he was also in that Incredible Hulk movie we watched. That's yeah. not very good, but yeah. he's going to be on She-Hulk. Yeah, we mentioned that. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, Channing Tatum, as an actor in that movie, doesn't fit. Like you said, I agree with you. It's jarring to have this pretty boy in this Western movie. And where he doesn't really fit with any of the other actors in here, and he's much younger than everybody else, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't get that. He stands out in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. You could have ch- made a different choice there, and it would have fit better. I it think doesn't there, take me out of it, I think there though. are worse choices he could have made, though. Sure. And I think for, for he what he did... He likes to push the envelope with his casting, as we touched on yeah. in the episode. Yeah. There are a lot worse people he could have picked. Of course. Uh, She says, uh, regardless of how you feel about Tarantino's content, his camera work is fantastic. Personally, I enjoy most aspects of his work. Yes, it is not just the writing or the content or the story. It is his love of film. We, We talked about it in the episode. Like, they used... 
I, I saw this in one of the extras that I saw a, that I watched after the the episode. They used these lenses for this 70 millimeter thing. They used the lenses from a movie back in the 60s. It was like a, a Laurence Olivier movie, but one of those big epics that they used the old 70 millimeter film for. And it's just him and his cinematographers just geeking out over the old style of making movies. He has consumed tens of thousands of hours of film yeah. in a way that nobody else on planet Earth probably has. Yeah. That is at least making movies. And he can translate that. He can just access that file and say, this is what I want it to look like. Yeah. And he does it. So, yeah, absolutely. That is 100% gonna be his strongest suit mm -hmm. with how a movie looks yeah i think more than anything he obsesses he obsesses over how his movies look he knows exactly what he wants and he gets it yeah to finish this up she says this movie is tarantino meets agatha christie set in a western i love it love you guys from superfan stephanie and p.s I am right there with you and Mitch on watching every movie and TV show in segments because of kids and life. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we did it again. We started a movie just at, uh, at dinner today. We got through three minutes. We got through three <laughs> minutes. We didn't even get through the, cr the intro credits and I got a phone call and then, oops, I guess we're going to continue that later. You took your phone call. I kept eating and then it was like, right. well, I'm going to go. I'm done eating now. So right. bye. <laughs> Yeah. And then we came downstairs and started this podcast. Wee! How many movies can we cram into a day? I don't know. How many minutes do you want to commit to each movie? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's about 10 o'clock at night when we're recording this. So, hey. Maybe not anymore tonight. <laughs> all right, Betsy. I want to thank you for being my co-host through all of these Western Wednesday movies. Oh, thank you, Trent. Because this has been an adventure. Because, of course, I had to be the one to host all of the Westerns. And you've hosted, I think, all of the Nick Cage ones. Yeah. Just Up until kinda, the next one. It's kind of how it worked out for you this, also saw these those two. Yeah, it's just how it works out. But yeah, Westerns are like, let's just finish this up here by saying Westerns are a genre of film that I have an appreciation for. And I wanted to, to really get into it at least a little bit with oh, those we, first couple of ones. We easily could do this many more times. Yes, There's and so we many will. we talked about covering. Yep. yep. That we're not going to share because we still might do those. <laughs> we eventually will do another Western Wednesday series. I promise you. It's, I promise you. It'll be back someday. Yes. Just not like right away. We no. got to finish the Nick Cage series. Yeah, we're, we're like, we're kind of uh, turning into, like turning some of these series into annual events. Because we did the Keanu-thon almost a year to the day. Just sort of we, worked out that, that we, way. That we started the, the Cage-a-thon. It's a good summer activity. Yeah. They make good summer movies, those yeah. two men. Yeah. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed this little journey into the past and the present, I guess, uh, of the this genre of film. Again, we will revisit it sometime in the future. But until then... You can email us your thoughts about this genre of film, the movies that we have covered, or give us some suggestions on some movies you want us to cover in the next Western Wednesday series. There's many, many, many to choose from, guys. We yes, had indeed. to cut so many because we wanted to just keep mm -hmm. it to four. Yes. <laughs> this could be all we do for Western oh, yeah. Wednesday. We could do Western Wednesdays 
forever and never run out of content. Yes. Anyway. But we're not doing that. Yes. Email us. NeverSeenItPod at gmail.com. That's NeverSeenItPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on the Twitter machine, NeverSeenIt underscore pod. You can support the show by clicking the link in the podcast description and throwing us a buck on Anchor. We also have a couple of other of the social media sites, uh, Facebook and Instagram. The name there is Never Seen It Pod One. Betsy's on there daily, throwing up some interesting facts and figures and pictures and all sorts of shit. But you can use all that stuff to share us with your friends, uh, post the episodes on your wall, uh, send the episodes to your friends. Um, rate us on the iTunes and I think Spotify or and just send Google. us a message send us a message you can comment on our stuff all that stuff it helps spread the word yeah. at the very least but anyway that's the end of Western Wednesday for now this has been Never Seen It my name is Trent my name is Betsy and we'll catch you on the flip side bye